Hello and welcome to episode 278 of section 138. I'm your host, Mark Colley, as always, joined by Bryson. And Bryson, this weekend didn't go according to plan for the Blue Jays, but they avoid disaster on Sunday, the final day of this series with a clutch home run from Kevin Biggio. Bryson, how are you? I'm doing good, Mark. What a, what a guy to do it with Kevin Beach. I think that was yeah. the the most unexpected thing ever. I think there was a lot of people wondering if he was going to bunt in that situation. Lots of questions being asked. But like you said, a rough start uh, to the weekend, especially on what happened on Saturday. I'm glad they were able to salvage it today on Sunday because it didn't look good from the start either. So the fact that they were able to do that, it feels like there has been much of those games this year where they've been down early like that and they've been able to come back. So I'm glad they were able to end that off and, of course, avoid the sweep against the Twins. A missed opportunity this weekend, but, of course, anything would have been better than being swept. So I'm glad they were able to end it off uh, their their homestand on a good note. Yeah, we talked about the roles, the role that the Jays have been on ever since they had that series in Minnesota against the Twins about two weeks ago. And if they get swept by Minnesota heading into a tough road stretch against Baltimore, against Texas, against Miami – then you start to wonder if it's going to snowball in the other direction. But thankfully, at least for now, they put a little stopgap in. They stop the bleeding and hopefully get a little bit of good momentum before they go on the road. Uh, let's start with the good part of this series, I guess, which is the Kevin Biggio homer. It came out of nowhere for the Blue Jays. They were trailing 6-1 and they staged an improbable comeback. Um I don't know. Where was your head at? Like you said, some people wanted him to bunt. Were you in that position? Do you think he was, uh, do you think he should have? I mean, it's hard to say in retrospect, <laughs> he should have bunted, but like, were you rooting for it in the moment? I wouldn't have been surprised. For me, it's just the fact of, of course, the risk of the double play and everything like that. And it, it just, it's felt like for majority of this year, and this is something that we've been talking about, even on their recent stretch, offensively, it just, it still hasn't, exactly clicked if you know what I mean if it feels like there's just been a lot of stuff that is still missing so just the way this entire season's gone like that and just it feels like there hasn't been enough games of course besides today um after what happened with Kevin Biggio but besides that it just there hasn't been a lot of those big innings uh from this team it's felt like there's been a lot of 3-2 games lately a lot of close one you know tie games late in the games and one run games and everything like that so it just we haven't seen enough of it yet this year. I, I got, We're all hoping it eventually comes, but that's been the one thing that's still missing from this team is the consistency and just having those big moments. I mentioned it off the top. Not a lot of situations this year where you've seen them be down that early or down big early and haven't exactly been able to rally back. Usually it's just been game over from the start, and they were able to chip away, chip away, chip away. That's what they did today. And, of course, they came back around the fifth inning uh, is when they did most of their damage to come within um, just distance of the Twins. And then, of course, what happened in the eighth inning with Kevin Biggio was huge for them to salvage the series once again. So because of the fact that it just hasn't been consi- consistent from this offense, questions, I-, I think there was probably divided. I mean, I'm sure there were some people that are completely against the bunt for whatever reason it can be. I'm sure there were some people that were expecting uh, him to bunt. I'm sure there were some people that had no faith uh, in that at-bat. And, of course, beforehand, too, Espinal was up. You know, I, I don't know how, how much faith there was just at the with the bottom of the order uh, going on in the bottom of the eighth inning. So I'm sure there was a lot of doubts, questions, and just just not it, it not being clear in terms of what the plan was. But the most unexpected thing, of course, again, was that Kevin Bugio was able to do that. And, I mean, we've talked about it as well. We've I guess we've all, like, understood that 
it feels like he was starting to play better uh, over the course, of, I guess, of the last month. And I mean, coming out today, it, it has to be one of the clutchest moments that he's had so far, you know, in a Blue Jays uniform, in a major league uniform, because of course, it just we haven't seen that a lot from Biggio. He's had really good games in the past, but in terms of a clutch moment late in a game like that, I think that's got to be up there, actually, in terms of just big moments from like that late in the game. And of course, for this offense, once again, which has struggled to have those big moments a lot this year, this year and just have it on a consistent basis. So it's something that they're still missing. And of course, on a day like today as well, where it was the other way around, when Kevin Gosman's usually pitching, he's usually the one carrying this team and you know, maybe not a lot of run support behind him and just a lot, you know, a really tight game, but the Jays are able to win. That's usually been the story of the year so far when Kevin Gosman's been pitching this year or this, what happened today, it was a little bit of the opposite where Kevin Gosman didn't have one of his best outings. And of course, mentioning, I guess, just his career numbers against the twins. Unfortunately, he has, he hasn't been able to pitch well uh, against the twins throughout his career for some odd reason. And of course that happened again today. It's just, there wasn't a lot of people chasing at his splitter the the zip on the fastball wasn't there the twins were hitting everything at the beginning and he was struggling he didn't even get to five innings and in a game like that where they were able to carry Gosman and help him out and pick him up after everything that Kevin Gosman has done for this team going back to last year and of course going back to the first couple of months of this season I think that was also refreshing to see that they were able to pick him up and you know lead the way to victory this time not rather than being carried by him and not scoring a lot of runs and missing a lot of opportunities so I'm glad that that was Definitely a change in the narrative today. I don't know how often that's going to happen uh, throughout the rest of the year, but it would be nice, of course, once again, to address the elephant in the room. The offense starting to click on a consistent basis, having more of those big moments. Of course, what the Twins did, if you want to look at reverse course, what they did on Saturday, having that big moment of against the Blue Jays um, late in the game, regardless of who was pitching, they had that really big moment. The Jays need more of those moments, and I think today was definitely a really good start for them. Hopefully they can do it consistently. We still haven't seen that yet, so I'm not ready to confirm that that's going to be the case, but it was just nice to see that happen today. Yeah, I saw a stat. I don't know if it was true. I don't know how accurate it was, but apparently this home run that Kevin Biggio hit was the first three-run home run the Jays have hit since that Danny Jansen walk-off against the Atlanta Braves. I don't know if that's accurate, but it certainly seems accurate to me because it feels like it's been a while since the Jays had a big knock like this. And yeah, Kevin Biggio was the last guy I expected to do this, to be honest. Barzin, you're talking about those doubters. I count myself fully as part of that group. I mean, look, even after today's game, this guy is hitting 186 on the season. This was not the guy I thought was going to come up and win the game for the Blue Jays with their first three-run bomb in like a month, basically, right? It's been a month since that series against Atlanta. So this was not the guy I had on my bingo card for doing that. But I mean, all power to him. If you're going to win ball games, you're going to need the bottom of your lineup, someone out of the bottom of your lineup, that unlikely hero to step up. And it just so happened that Kevin Biggio did it today. And yeah, to be honest, I don't know if he was going to bunt or not, but I got to be honest, I was thinking that he was just going to try to draw the walk. Because that's what Kevin Biggio does best. He might be hitting 186, but his OBP is up at 262. So, like, that's kind of what my expectation was going into that at bat. And, of course, you mentioned it. Not all credit goes to him. The Blue Jays also made the comeback effort in the fifth inning with Matt Chapman hitting a home run as well. So, that was a big part of the comeback as well. Um, you mentioned the frustration still continuing, looking for those big moments. And that really came to a forefront in game one of this series on Friday night when the Blue Jays lost 3-2 to 
to the Twins in extra innings. They had runners on second and third with nobody out in the bottom of the ninth inning, and they managed somehow to squeeze out of it without scoring a run. And that's the type of situation we talk about with the frustrations of this team and those big moments not coming through. And um, yeah, I think that pretty much encapsulates how we felt maybe not all of this season, but certainly a majority of this season with the Blue Jays failing to come up big in big moments. And in this case, it lost them a game, a game they should have won. And just to give you numbers aggregate, on that night, not just in that moment. The Blue Jays went 1-13 for 13 with runners in scoring position and left 12 guys on base. So that just kind of gives you a sense how they were doing in that game. Of course, the frustrations have been around for a lot longer than one game or one weekend. This is a long-term thing for the Blue Jays. The part that really makes it worse is that when you look at what happened in Game 1, you look at what happened in Game 2, those are two games that this team should have easily won and then you look at today, it could have easily been a sweep. And at worst, it would have been two or three. It just it felt like it really was there for them uh, this weekend. And, of course, we talked about the Twins coming into the series, just the entire AL Central, the Twins being one of those teams that are just hovering over five hundred and aren't exactly playing their best games. And, of course, in a stretch where the schedule has been very tough, you talked about it going back to that Atlanta series. We're still pretty much we're getting closer to the end of this stretch, but we're still in the you know the middle of it still in terms of playing these good teams. Of course, coming up now, another huge three games in Baltimore. Of course, the Jays have a big series uh, coming up with that. And, you know, just taking advantage of these opportunities, though, this past weekend against a team that has been 500 throughout the or uh, up to this point. You got to take advantage of those opportunities. You talked about the bottom of the ninth inning. I mean, it starts off with, I think it was Santiago Espinal hit by a pitch, George Springer doubles. And then, of course, there's the runners on first, or second and third with nobody out. It starts off with a ground out from Kirk. Bobachette strikes out. And then after Vladimir Guerrero Jr. was intentionally walked, Brandon Belt lined out. So, as much as Brandon Belt hit that ball hard, you got to go back to the previous at bats as well. And, of course, if you want to count him. You just you have these opportunities and you got to bring them in. And especially when there's nobody out, there's no excuse uh, for that to happen. And then when once that does happen, once you slip away with these opportunities, it just it always comes back to bite this team in the you know what. And it just happens. That's in general. It happens with everybody when you don't take advantage of these key opportunities. And unfortunately, it's just it backfires on you very quickly. You mentioned the runners in scoring position. It really did feel like that all night. I mean, it was just frustrating where. Just a common thing where I don't, I don't know if this team is missing, you know, a bat or if they're just lacking power. Maybe you can make the argument they are so far. There's been some underperformance, of course, throughout majority of the lineup. It's just, it's been frustrating when they do these things when they get on base. And again, this goes for the recent stretch that they had when they were still winning because it still hasn't gone away. Where they're getting on base, they're just not bringing in the amount of runs that they should be. And of course, they have been bringing in enough enough runs to win games over the last 10 days. It's just, it's not enough. And I think you also saw that this weekend that it's very clear that it still is not enough. And just, in a, you know, again, with the stretch of the schedule, you got to win as many games as you can win. You got to take advantage of these opportunities. And that was just the beginning of what happened on Friday night. And then if you want to look in comparison, again, the Twins taking advantage of what was hap- what was presented to them on Saturday you look at the difference between how quickly things can change when you take advantage of stuff, when you miss out on these opportunities. And then, of course, again, it ended off good today on the Sunday game. But, I mean, Friday night was definitely, I mean, I don't know. I don't want to rank the games in terms of frustration. I think both of them were equally frustrating in their own way in terms of Friday and Saturday. But especially a way to open up this series, a way for them to 
a, a game that they should have won on Friday night for sure. You know, it, it, it misses out on the opportunity that you could have had at worst uh, two out of three this week. And of course, we're happy they came away with one today. But these are games that they should have won. And you just you got to take advantage of all these opportunities. And unfortunately, from Friday and Saturday, they, they did not do that. Let's talk a little bit more about Saturday and the bullpen day. Um, oh, boy. <laughs> I Well, what do you want to start with? <laughs> what were you thinking? I don't know. Do you want to? Should we lead it off with Adam Simberg? Yeah, let's do it. Let's get with okay. the worst part. You, yeah. you expressed a lot of frustration in our group chat about Adam Simber. I mean, how could you not? He comes up, gives up a grand slam. It's six total runs that were charged to him, I think, at the end of the day in a game that the Blue Jays could have, should have, maybe would have won if Adam Simber doesn't pitch like that. Um, I don't know. You started off. You're the one who wanted to talk about Simber. <sighs> <laughs> well... Even okay. Prior to Saturday, it's been very evident that Adam Simber hasn't been the guy that they traded for a couple years ago. Shouldn't be pitching in higher leverage situations. You know, I get it. Saturday there were people that were unavailable uh, in terms of why this was all happened. Of course, Eric Swanson. They mentioned it the night before that he was just he's been pitching a ton. Uh, it was over probably over the last five games, so he was unavailable. And of course, the idea was to set things up for Jordan Romano uh, in the ninth inning, and that did not happen. And, of course, prior to Simber coming in, Bowden Francis was up. Uh, of course, it was a bullpen day all around uh, in terms of what was going on. We understand that there's now a hole in this rotation without Alec Manoa, so they've been, they're going to be creative over the next little while in terms of how they're going to get by that on that on Manoa's day or what was Manoa's day. And, of course, this, uh, this week on Saturday started off with Trevor Richards opening things up, first of all. Heck of a job from Trevor Richards opening things up in three innings. Strikes, strikes out seven uh, in three innings. He was great. Tim Meza came out after that. And then Bowden Francis was the one where we knew prior to him coming in or prior to him appearing in the game, whenever he was recalled, we knew that he was stretched out to about 80 pitches. He's been starting in AAA Buffalo as well, the odd time or for most of the time. You had to imagine that he was he was built up to go multiple innings. And I think by the time he was pulled, um, Bowden Francis only threw 33 pitches uh, before the eighth thing and everything like that. So that's where the, I guess the question came of why Adam Simber was out in the eighth inning instead of potentially Bowden Francis going out for another inning. I mean, you look at what he did, three strikeouts and two and two thirds, gave up one run. He was still pitching pretty good, I thought. And I think there's a lot of discourse in terms of the decision-making from John Schneider of what happened with Adam Simber. Mark, I haven't, I haven't even heard your thoughts on this yet, so I'm going in cold. But you understand my frustration with that. Prior to this appearance, it just you have to be very reluctant to put Adam Simber in these situations in high leverage, uh, unfortunately. It just, it ha it's been one of those years where he has struggled and he hasn't had much to show for. I mean, you look at his numbers now, they are inflated. They were inflated before Saturday Saturday's appearance, and it you know records one out on Saturday. And I mean... In a situation like that, you got to feel like leaving Bowden Francis in for one more inning was the right play in terms of handing things off to Adam Simber. I just, it's a decision where I was nervous seeing Adam Simber warm up before he was even in the game. I did not, first of all, and actually after that, I did not expect Carlos Correa to hit a grand slam. I mean, that was very clear. I mean, that happened all so quickly. And just in a game where the Jays were in control, things completely fell apart in probably less than five minutes. It was a seven-run inning by the Twins of what happened there. And, I mean, I get it. Once again, people were unavailable, but it's just 
one of those things where I unfortunately do not agree with what John Schneider was thinking. I think there's a lot of people who do not agree with what was going on with that. But again, it's a tough situation because of the bullpen, not everybody being available. It's not an ideal world. And of course, it was on a day as well where it was an opener with Trevor Richards and you were burning through a lot of your bullpen throughout the day. It's just, for me, if Bowden Francis was built up for 80 pitches and he was pitching well prior to him being pulled from the game, it's just, for me, it's a, it was a very bold decision to take him out uh, in favor of Adam Simber. That's just where my stance was. I just... It's been it's just been that year for Adam Simber where it's hard to trust him. Even in games prior to this one on Saturday, it's kind of been the same result in terms of him doing that. And prior to that, he's also been pitching in lower leverage situations. The Jays have adjusted to that in terms of not pitching him later in games like they probably did a couple years ago. So that's why it's definitely one that stings, and it just adds on to the first or the disappointment uh, from the first couple of days this weekend. Just missed opportunities, and especially in a game on Saturday where you were leading and you were in control, that's another game that they should have had. Unfortunately, I think I can understand John Schneider taking Bowden Francis out, and maybe that's an unpopular opinion. But this is a guy who's making his season debut in the majors. I don't know if that's a time to test him if that's a time to push him past what he had already done. I know he was built up for 80 pitches. I don't know if that's the time to test it. However, the choice to go to Adam Simber is very questionable, and I think that's where you and I agree, and pretty much every fan on the face of the planet would probably agree in saying that the Blue Jays should not have gone to Adam Simber in that situation. So let's do a little bit of the opposite of sweet relief. I'm going to ask you a little bit of a trivia question about Adam Simber. Um, He's had 20 appearances this year. How many of those appearances do you think have been clean appearances? Hasn't allowed a base runner. A base runner? Base runner. Walker hit. Disregard errors. Or hit by In 20 games? How many times has he done that? How many have been clean? I'm going to go two or three times. It's a little bit more. It's five. Five out of 20 outings have been clean. Yeah. The stats over his last 10-ish games are pretty brutal when it comes to that. He's had one clean outing over his last, dating back to April April 19th. Of course, he was on the injured list over that span. He had five appearances in May. He had four appearances in June. So when you add that all up, that's 11 appearances. One of his last 11 appearances has been clean, not allowing a base runner by either hit or walk. It's not the time to go to him in a game like Saturday's game. I think John Schneider is probably right for taking Bowden Francis out, but Adam Simber is not the guy you go to in that situation in a close game where you're trying to win in the 8th or the ninth inning. Adam Simber should not be on the high leverage list right now just based on the stats that we went over, and the Blue Jays shouldn't be using him in those situations. Um... When it comes to earlier in the bullpen day, you mentioned Trevor Richards. I think now that we've done the opposite of sweet relief, we can do the real sweet relief, and there's no point in guessing. I think it is Adam Simber, or Adam Simber. Jeez, I think it is Trevor Richards there you go. who deserves the award for this week. I think we would both agree on that. Regardless of the result of the game, you know, coming in a situation where the Blue Jays desperately need a strong outing out of an opener or starter or whatever you want to call it. He comes in. We talked about it. Three innings, one hit, one walk, seven strikeouts. Seven of the nine outs he got come via the strikeout. Really, really impressive stuff from Trevor Richards. And then I guess the question I want to ask you, 
Moving forward, the Blue Jays still have a spot in the rotation to fill. Questions are infinite about how they can fill that. After what Trevor Richards did in three innings against the Minnesota Twins, should the Blue Jays continue to stretch him out and have him kind of take on that fifth spot on the rotation? Maybe we're not talking a full start. Maybe we're talking push it to like four innings and then give five innings to the bullpen. Based on the way he pitches, I think he deserves that chance. It's not out of the realm of possibility. I mean, they have to be creative with what's been going on uh, or what will be going on until Alec Manoa is ready or even before that, if Hunjin Ryu is ready. So they have probably at least a month and a half before they can, I guess, consider those alternatives that are eventually going to become available. Until then, it's going to be a uh, a start-to-start thing where they definitely reevaluate it. For me, I'm with you on the fact that Trevor Richards will probably go out again the next time Manoa spots up and... It'll be three or f- two or three days um, coming up since their next game uh, when he goes back out there uh, in that spot. I, you know, I agree with you on that one. I think they're going to go back to him on that one. Stretching him that far, that part I'm still unsure about, but I do. I'm just I'm in favor of going back to him because of how clean it went for him the last time out, and even before that. Again, it's just it's something that we've been talking about all year. Even when he has been pitching multiple innings, just overall. Trevor Richards' season so far has been very good. He's been pitching very well. He's been a guy that has quickly rose up to, you know, somebody that the Jays are highly depending on right now with this bullpen. So if that's something that they considered to do, or if they definitely, you know, do that and raise his leverage or just, you know, build him up a little bit more or build him up a little bit more, I'm 100% in favor of that because of what's been going on in terms of his success. You know, I'm sure there still are other options. Maybe there, maybe you know, maybe you see Bowden Francis again at some point. But of course, there's the new rule, or there's the rule that always exists. Unless he's replacing an in, an injured player, he's got to be down there for at least two uh, two weeks because he was optioned uh, this morning on Sunday. So he won't be available anyway the next time Manoas turns up. So that again goes back to your original question on if Trevor Richards should be going back out there potentially for more than three innings. I think that might be your best bet uh, right now. I mean. I guess one guy that's in the bullpen now who was activated uh, at the beginning of the weekend who showed up after Adam Simber did not go very well. It did not go very well for him during his rehab assignment either uh, in AAA. Uh, We mentioned that on one of our episodes a couple weeks ago. That's Mitch White. Um, He's another name that will be available. uh, I was thinking Thomas Hatch. Thomas Hatch is also a guy for sure as well. Mitch White's there. So there's a couple guys that, are available in that swing role. But in terms of starting things out, for me, yeah, it's got to be Trevor Richards for the top of the order or whatever it is for gonna, or that's going to be for, you know, two, three, maybe four innings like you were talking about. Right now, it's their best option. I know you mentioned Thomas Hatch. I just, I just have bad memories of what happened last year in that doubleheader on Canada Day, whatever happened, and years prior to that. But he's going to be a name that's definitely going to be relied on at some point. Him and Mitch White will be. But to start things off, I'm with you on that, that it should be uh, Trevor Richards. That's their best option going forward right now, especially for the next time through the rotation. It might be the time after that as well. The next two times throughout the rotation, you're going to have to probably do that anyway. So Trevor Richards is definitely the leader for that. I, I'm, I'm with you on that. Who would have thought at the start of the season that we would be talking about Trevor Richards taking a spot in the rotation and replacing Alec Manoa, and we'd be happy about it. Yeah. <laughs> like, who would have it's, predicted it is, that? It's pretty crazy, yeah. Lots of twists and turns in this season already. It is. Um, what part's more What part's more of a bigger surprise, the Manoa part or the Richards part? 
<laughs> I think probably the Richards part, to yeah, be honest. Bo- like, both are pretty significant. <laughs> both are pretty shocking, but Richards was not on my bingo card at all. Um, we are 67 games into the season, and on the list of wacky and wild things we didn't predict happening this year, one of them, one big one, is Vladimir Guerrero Jr. not hitting a single home run at home over the course of the season so far. 67 games in, and he still doesn't hit a homer at the Rogers Center. Um, I think it's interesting, especially this weekend, because we saw him moving around the lineup a little bit for the first time this year. He slid up on Friday to the two-hole when George Springer was out. On Saturday, he moved down to the fourth spot in the lineup, the cleanup spot, to make way for Brandon Belt, who was hitting third. And then, of course, in the series finale on Sunday, he went back to his normal spot at third in the lineup. Bryson, I'm curious whether you think there is more of a long-term suitability for him in a different spot in the lineup. I kind of like the look of a lineup with Brandon Belt in third, well, he's hot, and Vladimir Guerrero Jr. in fourth, especially, you know, I know Brandon Belt is injured right now. He's day-to-day, and that's obviously a concern, especially with how hot he was hitting. But if he's that hot and Vladdy isn't, maybe try moving him. Try something to get him going in the lineup. I don't know if you agree with that, but that's kind of where I stand right now. We're 67 games in the season. He hasn't hit a home run at home. He's has certainly hasn't been terrible this year, but he certainly hasn't been great either. Why not try something? Yeah, I mean, I'm also thinking just long-term at the end of the year, this is going to be two straight years for me now where it looks like I have just completely missed the prediction of Vladimir Guerrero Jr. over under home runs. Like, it's going to be, it's going to happen again this year as much as I kind of took a, I took a back a notch this year, but it's still not going to be close, unless there's some remarkable run he goes on. It's just, yeah, it's it's so weird how he hasn't been able to hit a home run home run yet uh, at home. And I guess the next game that they're going to play at home is going to be closer to the end of June. So we're going to, you know, and you talked about it, 60s, you know, tons of games that they've played so far. And it just hasn't happened yet. So I'm actually, I'm, I'm with you on that where I actually embraced the uh, the change they did this weekend. I would have liked to see if Brandon Belt, of course, was healthy. Uh, and if and if he played today, I would have assumed he would have played today if he was healthy. If they would have stuck with that look, because unfortunately we weren't able to see that um, for, oh, for only one game because of Brandon Belt being hurt, uh, what happened on Saturday. So that part I'm a little disappointed because I would have liked to see if they definitely went, you know, if they went through with that again. Uh, unfortunately, we just never got to that point. I know, you know, I think Vladimir Guerrero Jr. hitting fourth is definitely something that is worth the shot when Brandon Belt's healthy. It was the first time that he ever did that this week. And, you know, there was the whole conversation before that and the whole lengthy debate, the endless debate a couple years ago, it felt like, about Bo Bichette wanting to be that cleanup guy. And then there was the stretch where Bo Bichette had the slow start to the year last year. They moved him down right away after that. It didn't really seem to work until September. But in September, Bo Bichette was back to hitting second. So... And, of course, the way he's been playing this year as well, you don't want to touch Bo Bichette uh, in terms of the run that he's been on. So that's off limits in terms of any sort of suggestion on that. And it's kind of shifted towards Vladimir Guerrero Jr. because of that now, where there's the question, you know, it might not necessarily make a difference or a huge difference, but why not give it a shot of dropping him one spot in the lineup and hit him clean up? Because, of course, Brandon Belt playing the way he's been playing has allowed them to be or get this opportunity of course there probably wouldn't be any other suggestion in this lineup where 
I can envision some sort of swap like that. I mean, I get it. Dalton Varsh was the other lefty in this lineup, but we've, we've known that he hasn't exactly gotten off to the greatest start. He's been completely up and down the lineup. He was that day. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Was hitting cleanup. He was hitting eighth. So he's been up and down and he's kind of feels like he's been playing closer to the bottom of the order recently. But of course, there's also some times where he's back up to hitting fourth or fifth. And of course it's been more that he's been hitting fifth. Uh, so because of that, because of Belt playing well, I'm fine with it. I want to see it again when Brandon Belt's ready to go and come back in. Hopefully it's not too long. We still don't know if there's going to be an IL stint, how long he's going to be out for. Uh, I know there's an off day coming up tomorrow, so on Monday, which is going to be, I guess that's going to help his recovery. So when that does happen, when he is back, I'm fine with it. I like to see it. It's just we, we, we've we understood now with Vladimir Guerrero Jr., as much as he felt like he was playing a little bit better throughout the last part of the homestand or even throughout majority of the homestand, it's just there's still some, you know, I guess some moments where there's chasing and there's just not a lot of power coming from his bat. And that's just something that we don't really, we haven't seen at home yet. I mean, if you look at his splits home versus road, his power on the road is not even close to where it is at home because it's just, it's a, it's a weird stat in terms of that. And I think there was something where it even expanded throughout the rest of the team of how just, there's not as many runs or power at home like there is on the road, and it's just it's bizarre uh, thinking about that. It's just one of those odd baseball stats where there's not really an explanation behind it. But with Vladimir Guerrero Jr. again getting more hits over the last couple weeks, there's still a lot of chasing. He's walking though again, so he's still working through a lot of stuff. It feels like, but uh, it you know we're still missing the part where there the 2021 home run run that he was on in terms of the power. So perhaps him hitting fourth is. Maybe he it's more comfortable for him. Again, he hasn't done that at all uh, throughout his entire career. On Saturday was the first time he ever did that. So when Brandon Belt's back, I'd like to see it happen just to change it up. It might not make a difference, but why not try it at this point and see if that can jumpstart him even further. Yeah, the, the team stats home road, those splits aren't as dramatic as Vladdy's splits are. But, I mean, you mentioned it. Home runs at home, 29 for the team. Home runs on the road, 46. The OPS actually isn't that different. It's 733 at home, 768 on the road, but uh, that's hiding changes in the slugging where the Blue Jays are slugging for 37 on the road and 399 at home. So yeah, it's it's been kind of a weird mix of power and not power at home. I don't know if that's something you can attribute to the renovations or if this is something that just needs to be fixed with the team. It's just kind of weird. Maybe it's bad luck. Maybe that's all it is. But yeah, Vladdy's Home road splits are certainly a sight to behold as well. A 602 OPS at home and a 965 OPS on the road. Just wild, vastly different. If you look at the OPS plus or the S OPS OPS plus, which is a split relative to the OPS of the rest of the league on that split, Vladdy's a 66 S OPS plus at home and then a 168 S OPS plus away. Like that's, I don't know how you explain that. It's ridiculous. There's no explaining it. And I know, like, I'm not someone who typically believes in changing the lineup order to get things going. Like, I'm a staunch believer in that it's more eyewash than anything else. But Vladdy's stats, home and away, defy logic. And so I'm willing to accept that another change in the lineup that defies logic might be able to uh, to fix this problem. So I'm hopeful that it does. I, I'd like to see the Blue Jays try it out a little bit. Um, we'll see what happens. But hopefully anything, anything to get Vladdy going at this point. Because you mentioned it. Like we 
we are realistically getting to the point where we could be at the all-star break and Vladdy still isn't hit a home run at home. Like, that's ridiculous, but we're genuinely in that territory. Like, the Blue Jays are going to be on the road for 10 days. They're going to come home, and it's practically going to be the end of June. They got two weeks until the All-Star break. When is Flatty going to do this? Maybe maybe he's saving it for uh, Canada Day. Maybe that's what this is all about. Who knows? But it, it defies logic. Biggio's beating him, too. So, I mean, yeah. if you look at that today, it's crazy. <laughs> and I was going to ask you, I'm like, do, do you think that he's going to do it before the end of June? And I guess your prediction is going to be Canada Day, unless you were just saying that. Yes. But sure. Yeah, that's yeah, my prediction. Like, I don't, I'm not confident in saying it's going to happen in June. Like you were talking about, it's going to be the end of June when they get back. It is going to be a big homestand, but I don't know. Like, it's just, it's crazy. Like, like the splits that you read on that. I mean, and it's not like he's been good at home and even better on the road. It's just, he's been amazing on the road and at home it's been awful. Like, it's just, it's bizarre of how big the margin is of difference. It's just, for me, it's, it's hard to imagine. It's hard to explain. There was a lot of, you know, and even throughout the rest of the team, it just feels like it hasn't made that much of a difference than we thought in terms of the Renos, the walls coming in, or the dimensions coming in, the walls being higher. Like for me, I really haven't noticed that much of a difference. And of course, that might be because the team hasn't been playing that, or, you know, it's been playing better on the road than it is at home. But of course, you said splits aren't as dramatic, but it's just weird how that hasn't exactly been, it hasn't followed through like everyone was talking about in terms of how much of a difference it was going to make. And clearly for Vladdy, it, I mean, it hasn't made a difference because he hasn't gone deep yet. But for me, that's another thing where it just feels like those dimension talk and everything that everyone was talking about, it just hasn't made that much of a difference than we all imagined that it would have been throughout the winter. And it's not like he's just missing, missing home runs either. Like you look at his doubles at home, he has seven doubles on the road. He has seven doubles. So like, it's not like these balls are just like barely not going out and then you can blame it on the dimensions. It's like, he's just not hitting those balls. I don't know. It's, it's indescribable. And just the one last thought I have on this talked about the SOPS plus at home and on the road, on the road, it's 168, which means he's 68 better than league average, 68% better than league average. You compare this to 2021 Vladdy MVP Vladdy practically his OPS plus in 2021 was 167. So basically on the road, he is 2021 Vladdy. And at home, he's, I don't know, like Ryan Goins? Like, who do you want to choose to compare his offense? Like, I don't know. It's It baffles me. It's mind-blowing. And no one has an answer, obviously, because he's still doing what he's doing. But I don't know. Makes no sense. Uh, we're hoping for the best. Hopefully a lineup change can fix this once and for all. Um, one black spot on the weekend we should mention is Anthony Bass. Um, the Blue Jays DFA'd him after kind of 10 days of very weird public relations strategies from the Jays. Um, terrible timing as well with Pride Weekend and Pride Month, uh, in the city of Toronto. And I guess the one thing I'll say is, um, you know, I wish this came sooner. Uh, I think the Blue Jays mismanaged this and I think, uh, Anthony Bass clearly did not show remorse for what he did or an understanding of why what he did is so offensive to so many people. Um, and I don't know. I just, I just wish the Blue Jays handled it differently. I think it unnecessarily became a very painful week or two weeks for a lot of Blue Jay fans. And it really didn't need to be that. Um, so it's kind of disappointing 
the Blue Jays managed it that way as much as we have fun with the stuff that goes on on the field. I'm a bit disappointed in the team for managing it that way, but um, yeah, I figured we should mention that before we end the podcast. Yeah, one hundred percent. It's been you know it's been talked about a lot over the last week of what's been going on in terms of the entire story of what Anthony Bass shared online. Then after deleting it, he shared it again. And then recently, I think it was probably one of his last interviews before the decision, he doubled down on everything he's, you know, I guess his reasoning for it at the time. It just, yeah, like you were talking about bizarre uh, in terms of, I guess, how it was handled. Uh, the other thing, too, is regardless of what uh, people believe on that, when you're a pro athlete like Anthony Bass and you have the platform like Anthony Bass, when you're doing stuff like that, when you're resharing stuff, you got to know what you're doing. You, you got to know what you're getting into. And you got to be knowing that there's going to be a lot of just the platform that you have. It's going to be pretty huge of, you know, a decision like what he decided to do and what he decided to share on his story. So the fact that he, you know, I don't know how much thinking went behind that whole thing, but the fact that he knew what he was doing by sharing it publicly um, for me, that's where, uh, you know, that's the part that baffles me the most that he was unable to, I guess, you know, process that or kind of understand what he was doing, uh, from that. And of course, like you said, the Jays made the decision to DFA him, um, Ross Atkins, lots of press for him the last couple of weeks, same with John Schneider. Um, of course he said a lot of it was more performance than what happened off the field, regardless of what did happen, um, on the field for him. It's just, you know, not a good look for him. And, of course, what happened throughout the last week as well. And, again, he wasn't pitching that good as much as he was pitching better closer to the end. It's just, for him, it was a disastrous season. I think Ben Nicholson-Smith came out with a tweet after when it came out, too, where there was a lot of questions and a lot of, I guess, you know, just questions if he even wanted to be here at that time, too, after all this went down. So, I'm, you know, it just feels like it was a distraction that was hovering this team over the last 10 days. They finally were able to solve that by getting rid of him and um, I don't think it's bothering too many people right now in terms of that whole decision on that so I'm glad that it's over with in terms of the amount of uh, controversy that was caused with this team off the field over the last 10 days and they can move on it's just the fact that Anthony Bass you know you're posting on as a pro athlete and everything like that he knows what he's doing in terms of what he's sharing online and you know the criticism that comes with that the PR the press conferences for me, I agree with you on that, poorly handled, and I'm just happy that we can, um, I guess, move on from that and just, you know, just because it was hovering the team over the last 10 days, I'm glad uh, as much as there's disappointment in terms of how it was handled, I'm glad it finally has come to a close. Yeah, the other thing I'll say on this is just that, like, I don't know, calling it a baseball decision is a little bit insulting as well. I think, like, I don't know if there's like players union CBA stuff that the Jays got to steer clear of and they have to publicly justify it by calling it a baseball decision. But like it, it may seem vindicating for him to be DFA'd after 10 days and to have him go down with all this going on. But at the same time, if the Jays are just calling it a baseball decision, it seems like they don't really understand why people were so upset with this post and why it's so disgusting to so many fans, including myself. So anyways, just, uh, yeah, kind of a black spot on the weekend and the last, you know, two weeks for Jays fans. But um, let's end this podcast on something hopefully a little bit more positive in a series against the Baltimore Orioles. The Orioles are hot right now. They've won four in a row. That includes a bunch of games against the Kansas City Royals, so maybe they're not 
it's not like a real hot streak if you want to call it that but um i who wants to go for a series predictions we still don't have anything from jacob uh so i mean person do you want to start i think i've made my decision so regardless of what you said here i'll go first because i've already decided they got there's no announced starters as far as i know for baltimore for this week which is kind of strange but They've got Chris Bassett, Jose Brios, Yusei Kikuchi on the mound for the Blue Jays. It's tough when we don't know who's starting for Baltimore, but I think the Blue Jays win the Bassett game. And then just based on how they've been hitting and how the Orioles have been playing lately, I think they lose Wednesday and Thursday and they come away with one out of three. So a little bit pessimistic, but that's where I'm at. And I don't like that. After the last time this happened against the Orioles, it was, we all know yeah. the state of the team it was during that time. But, I mean, I was able to get the probables. So maybe, I mean, I'll oh, give you the okay. chance to change if, if you want to. It's going to be, so Bassett versus Dean Kramer, uh, Jose Brios versus Kyle Bradish, and then it's going to be Yusei Kikuchi against Tyler Wells on the finale on Thursday afternoon. Kramer's so, been the best out of those three, right? Wells has, in terms of numbers, Kramer and Bradish have ERAs in the fours. Oh, okay. Yeah. But for me, like, I'm with you, first of all, in game one with Bassett and Kramer. It's just, this is the story with the Orioles, is that you need to get to their starters because their bullpen is fantastic in terms of what they have laid on in games and their closer with Felix Bautista. So if they can score early on these starters, I think they're going to be in a much better spot than what they were against them a couple weeks ago. For me, again, with the series predictions, I'm going to go, I'm going to say they win Tuesday and Wednesday, and I think they lose Thursday. I'm confident with Bassett going out there. Barrios, again, has been pitching well. Um, and it's just going to be a matter of if the Jays can get to Kramer, Bradish, and Wells early enough. And if they can score multiple runs, hopefully it's not just one run because it's not exactly ideal with what they've been doing, but it's been enough. I don't know how long they can sustain it for because the Orioles are very good. And again, they're chasing the Orioles in the, the ALE standings and just overall. So they really need this series after what happened a couple of weeks ago. They got to make up the games, the whole tiebreaker stuff. It's very important that uh, this series coming up again because of what happened last time. I will say two out of three. I'll be more optimistic than you. Um, I hope I hope that's the case in terms of the worst case scenario. So we will see. But I'm going to go Tuesday, Wednesday. They win. Thursday, they lose. Okay. I like the optimism. Um Jacob, who knows what he thinks because he didn't pick up the phone. He hasn't responded to our messages, so we'll log that in the spreadsheet once we get it. Um, just to update everyone on where the standings lie. Tough weekend for all of us. Uh, Bryson, you and I, we said two and one. Um, and then Jacob said series sweep. So J Jacob loses even more ground. Uh, both of us get one point for the two and one. feeling so Jacob. good on Saturday. <laughs> I felt like it was going to be a perfect weekend. I did. And you said it on Friday night, too. <laughs> you were worried. I was really worried that you were going to have a perfect weekend. And I, man, I was like, how do you keep doing it? Anyways, it didn't work out. So we ended up, oh, we just heard from Jacob. Lose the Bassett game and win the other two? Perhaps there's more coming, but. Unless he means lose Bassett and lose something else? Either way, the standings update for you. Jacob loses a point. Jacob is trailing by 16 points now to Bryson at 24. Uh, Bryson, you're in the lead at 40. I am in second at 34. Um, and it seems like Jacob is going to lose the Bassett game, win everything else. That's the that's what I'm implying, which is 
Yeah, I, I don't know how much thought there is with him in terms of if he just kind of just randomly spits things out or whatever, but yeah, Roll I'd be die. surprised if you knew he was pitching for Baltimore. Yeah, well, to be fair, I didn't. I did, they don't have it in the MLB app, so I didn't seek it out. But anyways, okay, we'll wrap it up there. I, I hope I'm wrong, to be honest. I hope you're right, Bryson, as much as you will gain points. Uh, you hope that the Blue Jays get back on track after this little bit of a rough series against Minnesota, and hopefully the offense can get going, including Vladdy. Um, okay, we'll wrap it up there. Thanks to everyone who listened, and we will catch you either Thursday night, Friday morning with a series against the Baltimore Orioles.